Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. One day God was looking down on the earth so that you guys can loosen up a little bit. Y'all look a little uptight. So one day the Lord was looking down. God was looking down on the earth, and, and he, he just didn't like what he was seeing. So he grabbed one of his best angels to go down and check things out to see what was going on. So when the angel came back to heaven to report back to God, he, he was shaking his head. He said, he said, God doesn't look good. He said, about 95 of the percent of the people on the earth are evil, and 5% are good. God said, wow, yeah, wow. So he said, well, you know, I want to make sure that I can confirm that. So he grabbed another angel to go down and evaluate, make sure they came up with the same uh, conclusion. So the other angel came down. Went back up to God and said, mm, man, oh, man, God, it's not good. He said, what does it look like? He said, 95% of the people are evil and 5% are good. God said, that's not good. So God said, well, I guess I better step in. So God came down and spoke to 5% of the people, a very special message so that they can grow and be equipped with whatever they needed to get to the next level. You know what he said? Do you know? You must have not been one of the five percent. Boom! I need you. To <laughs> okay, so we light. We light now, right? We loosen up a little bit. All right, y'all was looking just too. Y'all was looking too too holy. I think y'all was like, <laughs> I want y'all to loosen up this morning. Amen. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I know you, I know you're part of that 5%, amen. I'm just, I'm just checking around with you. I just want you to loosen up today. So, so you see, sometimes God can be speaking, but we might miss it. Because God is always speaking, saints of God, believe it or not, because a lot of times people say, well, well God is not saying anything. Well, maybe you're not, you haven't positioned yourself to hear. Because God is always speaking. He was always speaking in the Bible to people. And he used a multiplicity of things to speak to people. Come on, he could, he, if he used a donkey to get the attention of a prophet, he can speak. He used prophets. He used dreams. He used visions. He can use your circumstances and your situations. He can use a child. He can use a situation that you're in. He can use a parent. <laughs> God can use a lot of different things to get your attention. He can use your word. He can use your worship life. Amen. If you got one. He can use that. You can go into worship and God can speak in, in just a matter of time. He can just speak everything that you need in worship. You can go into praising God and he can give you exactly what you need at that particular moment. So God is speaking, but are we hearing? That is what we need to talk about today is our devotion to hearing. And so I, um, as I began to look at this and, and uh, I, I began to go to, I thought about 1 Samuel. And, and um, if you guys don't mind Let's go to 1 Samuel real quickly here. Again, take plenty of notes. 1 Samuel chapter 3, I want to read a passage of, a couple of passages here. And, and I really pray that this really blesses you today because it has really been blessing me because I've been in this place where I, I feel like I've gotten too busy. And, and when, when I'm in that place, it really, I really hate it. I really hate it because... I, although I want to spend that extra time with God and in, in his word, it's just that so much stuff gets in the way of all of that. 
And that's where I am, saints of God. I'm just being open and transparent with you. So this came, this hit me in my gut first. I had to repent first. So what I'm about to share with you is not something that I just want to preach a good little sermon to you. It's something that God is revealing through me so that I can get right with him and so that you will understand that God loves you. And that sometimes all God wants is for you to tell him that you love him. And all of that stuff that we think we need to do for God is just pleasing God. And I didn't lay out for five hours today. And you don't have to do all of that. And I've been guilty of allowing the enemy to, to make me feel bad when I didn't have that extra time. I've been guilty of that just recently, this past week. But God reassures me that I'm, I'm concealed in him. And that sometimes all I need to do is give him a little wave at work and say, God, I love you. <laughs> Your mercy endures forever, God. I might not have been able to lay out for one hour, but God, I'll give you the best one minute I can give you. Praise God. And sometimes that's all that's needed. It's just like with your children. You may not be with your child for five hours, but if that child comes up to you and, and lifts his arms to you and says, Daddy, I love you. Come and give me a big hug. That's all you need in that, in that, that moment of time. And that's more than one hour. It's just that split second when that, when that child needs you and shows that love. It's the same with God. He said, even in the midst of everything that you're going through, even in the midst of you being busy, if you just, just tell me you love me. Tell me you need me. Are you here with me, saints? So please hear my heart when I give this message to you. I am in no way trying to make you feel bad at all. But when you preach the gospel, the gospel has a way of finding you out. Because it sure found me out. Praise God. And so let's read a little bit about this prophet Samuel, which I think is, is going to be very relevant to the word. God bless you, to the word today. So we're going to be talking about today the devotion of hearing, the devotion of hearing. And with that title, uh, please keep that in mind when we read these passages of Scripture. So uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Now, we're going to come back to why it was rare, because I think it's vitally important that we see that. There was no widespread revelation. There was no widespread revelation, which means people were not receiving the word of God. There was a reason why they weren't receiving it. So that's vitally important that we see that. But then it goes on to say, and it came to pass at that time when Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun uh, to grow so dim that he could not see, verse 3, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while, Aaron, while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. So it said the air, the lamp of God, which the lamp of God burned all night. So this was early in the morning. Because this was about the time when the lamp was about to go out because it burned all night long before they began to trim the wicks and light the lamp again for the day. So this was early in the morning. And the Bible says that the Lord called. Who called? The Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am. So listen, so the Lord called Samuel. Samuel went to a man. Are you seeing this with me here? Okay, so let's keep reading the scriptures here. And so Samuel, he, he, he went to Eli and said, here I am for you call. And he said, I did not call you. Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Verse 6, 
Then the Lord called yet again. Who called again? He said, Samuel. <laughs> Praise God. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am. Or you called me. Called me. And he answered, I didn't call you, boy. No, that's my translation. I'm sorry. He didn't say that. He said, I didn't call you, my son. He said, lie down again. Verse 7. Now Samuel, now listen to this. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. So you can see Samuel as someone who was immature. So he didn't know the word yet. It hadn't been revealed to him yet, even though he was in church. It goes on to say, and the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he arose and went to Eli, Eli <laughs> and said to Eli, here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came a fourth time. See, God will keep calling you until he gets your attention. So he called a fourth time, and Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Did you hear this with me here? So is that making sense at all? You kind of see some of that stuff in there, right? So, so let's go back before I get into the speak Lord stuff. Let's go back to what it said that the, the word was rare back in those days. So, well, when you study the history of the nation of Israel at that time, you will learn that the people of God were living a very corrupt and wicked life. Uh, they were away from God. They were doing things that, that, that they wanted to do. They were busy with life. They had gotten consumed with material things. Uh, so, so the word of God was not as important anymore because they had other stuff that they needed to do. They didn't even listen to the man of God anymore. Some of that was due to Eli's sons were corrupt. So now you have a corrupt church temple. So when the church is corrupt, the people will be corrupt. So now you got a corrupt church and you got a corrupt people. And when you have corrupt churches and corrupt people, they don't want to hear what God has to say. Therefore, God was speaking, but they were not listening. So the Bible says that the word was rare. What was rare? It was rare that they ever heard God. Even today, saints of God, if you're listening to the wrong stuff, you're listening to the wrong music, you're listening to the wrong preachers, then what you are doing, you can't hear the call of God because you're too busy running the man. And see, man, all I can do, when you, when you are called of God and God is putting you or elevating you to another position, all I can do is confirm what God has already called. No man calls any other man. God does the calling. Man does the confirming. If you notice here, Samuel gave this man some instructions. He said, it's God. So when you hear the call, listen to me, when you hear the call, respond to the call. And he gave him some instructions because when you respond to the call, you get confirmed, but you also need some instructions on how to handle the call. Right? And so that's what Eli was doing here. He said, listen, say, speak, Lord, for thy servant here. 
So when Samuel responded in that way, guess what? Samuel began to develop that intimate relationship with God that he so needed because Eli, not too much longer in the future, was going to die. And Samuel was the prophet known that none of his words ever fell to the ground. That means that everything he spoke, it came to pass. But he started out immature, just like we do. So I think sometimes we have the propensity when we look in Scripture and we see these men and women of God and they're powerful and they're doing great things. You may not remember where they came from. And you might begin to look, elevate them because they are written up in the Bible, but God sees everybody as the same. He calls all of us, and if all of us respond to the call, we are just as important as Samuel. So that's good news, saints of God. Well, it's good news for me, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's good news for me. And so, so I, I, as I begin to look at the word of God and, and understand that, that hearing the word of God is, is vitally important, then God began to take me over there to the book of Amos. The book of Amos, um, it's in the Minor Prophets, so I'm going to give you a chance to turn here. I'm going to give you a little time to find it because your pages might be stuck together like mine because it's in the, the Minor Prophets. and It's called Minor because the books are small, not because they're insignificant. Amen. Amen. So these prophets, these books are just as important as the book of Revelation, the book of Genesis. And so uh, we want to read a couple of things here because I think it's something that we can glean from this today. Amen. Amos chapter 8, verse 11 and 12. Amos chapter 8, verse 11 and 12. And uh, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation going forward. But I think it makes more sense when I do that. So I'm going to go ahead and start reading while you turn there. You can put this in your notes. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Uh, it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God that I will send a famine on the land, right? Not a famine of bread. Listen to me close. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the word, the words of the Lord. Let me read that one more time. See, there was a famine in the land. And when we, when we think of famine, we automatically go ahead and assume that it's probably food, right? A famine of food. There's not enough to eat. It's a big concern there. But God is very clear that this particular famine is not because of not a lack of food or a lack of water, but a lack of hearing the words. Um, this was written over 750 years before Jesus Christ ever came on the scene. Now, Amos was a farmer. He, he was a shepherd that was called to be a prophet. As a matter of fact, if you read the history of, of Amos, Amos was a very successful man. And as a successful man, sometimes you don't want to get that call. And if you get it, you don't even want to respond to it. Amen. Because <laughs> you got all this other stuff going on. Amen. But Amos, he responded to the call. And when he responded, he was called to the nation of Israel. And he was coming to the nation of Israel with a message to say, it is time for you to repent and if you don't, judgment is coming. A very simple message, similar to the gospel today, that if you don't repent, judgment is coming, and the people refused. Uh, they wouldn't listen to the message from the man of God. So they continue doing what they naturally do. Now, I believe today there is a famine of the word of God. There's a famine of loving the Word of God and studying the Word of God 
And this is why we got a lot of churches going off kilter because I, I believe that when the people of God don't understand the word, they are just following people because of a title or a position or popularity. And see, when you polarize around popularity, it could pull you away from sound doctrine. Because although a person might be popular, they may not have sound doctrine. Amen. And so, so you, if, but if you don't know the word, and you can't rightly divide the word for yourself, then it will be easy for you to follow a person who don't know the word. Hello, somebody. So very quickly here, we're going to go through some things in the book of Amos and then in other passages. Uh, we're going to talk about some attributes that will hinder our devotion to hearing God. Now, there's a lot of them. I found I got nine, okay, but we're going to go through these real quickly, okay? So I only found nine, but there are more, but we're just going to discuss nine. So the first attribute that will hinder our devotion to hearing God can be found in Amos chapter 6. So let's turn left, go to Amos chapter 6, verse 1. It's the first verse. It's the very first verse. Go ahead and read it before me so you can see it. It's the very first verse. Amos chapter 6, verse 1. What is it? Whoa. Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. <laughs> who are at ease. So the first attribute that will hinder our devotion to hearing God is living in complacency. See, we get at ease. But the Bible says the man of God came to the people of God and said, Woe unto you that are at ease in Zion. Zion is a type of the church. So we can become at ease when things are going pretty good for you. We, we can get complacent in some of those things. But Amos was a fiery, fearless, straight shooter that said, listen, I want to confront you because now you have gotten complacent in your uh, ability to worship God. You don't, you don't worship God like you used to. You don't serve God like you used to. You don't come to the temple like you used to. You don't, you don't love people like you used to. You've gotten complacent in your walk. And what happened also during this time, the people, they, they were pretty well off. They were at a time of peace, and they were at a time of prosperity. It, it is in these times when we have to be very careful. Now, when all hell is breaking loose, you don't have to worry about people coming to church. After 9-11, after the churches were full because somebody wanted God. They didn't know who God was, but I got to find somebody. Planes are dropping out the sky. <laughs> all churches they were jam-packed that lasted about two months and then what they got complacent and they went right back now now listen does it have to take another tragedy like that to happen before people get serious about serving God so let me make this personal does something personal have to happen in your life before we get serious about serving God for some people it does some people God has given chance after chance, after chance, after chance, after chance. And you see it. You go that you, you tell them, you know that was God. Ah, yeah, you know, I, I just I think that was just good luck. <laughs> no, man, God is trying to tell you something. Are you listening? The next week, man, you know, I was in a bad car accident, man. Hey, look at the car, man. Do you see the car? I don't know how I got out of there. Man, I knew how you got out. God might be trying to tell you something. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if you're trying to tell me anything. You know. I remember I was so drunk one night. I'm telling my stuff now. <laughs> I remember I was so drunk one night. I was in Dallas, Texas. It was raining. 
And uh, I was trying to get on uh, Central Expressway. If you've ever been to Dallas, Texas, you know what Central Expressway is. It's one of the most busy uh, expressways in Texas. And it was wet, and I was not thinking so well. <laughs> Alcohol will do that to you. <laughs> So I, uh, I, in an attempt to try to get out there, you know, I got down on my little car, and it got away from me. And I was spinning in the center of Central Expressway. I remember spinning. I remember seeing the other cars coming at me. I do remember that. And I was like, wow. And um, so and I went all the way over to the embankment, hit it, and bounced all the way back over to the other side of the road. So when I got out of the car, notice, I got out of the car. And I looked at the car. I said, wow. <laughs> Man, I messed my car up, right? I never thanked God. Never even thought about thanking God. But God was trying to tell me something. Because I was on the highway to hell. But I wasn't listening. See, sometimes God is speaking, but we refuse to hear. Even when somebody that's speaking it to you, and you know it's right. I'm going to tell you something. I knew what I was doing was wrong. I knew I was, I, I knew it. I knew where I was going to. But I still wanted to do what I wanted to do. See, I had become complacent in my little old young viral self, like I can handle everything. Hey, I'm untouchable. I was in an accident. Nothing touched me. I was in a club. Bullets flying. I came out the club. I'm cool. But God was trying to tell my crazy behind something. He was trying to preserve me so I can get up here in front of you. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And then tell you my life because I, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I did not swing off of the umbilical cord in church. No. A lot of y'all was six years old and you got saved. I, 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 uh, uh, that was way later in my life. But I just want you to know it doesn't matter if you got saved at six or sixty. He's the seal. He's still the same God, and it's the same call. Amen. And so he can turn your little life around like he did mine and set you on, on sure footing. So let me just read this in your hearing. Zephaniah, Zephaniah, Zephaniah. I know, yeah, it's in the Bible. Uh, chapter 1, verse 12. I'm going to read it in your hearing. I just want you to hear this for a second. Just listen to this. Zephaniah 1 and 12. It says, I will search with lanterns in Jerusalem's darkest corners to find and punish those who sit complacent in their sins. Uh, let me read that one more time so you can catch it. Uh, the, the Spirit of the Lord said, through the man of God, through the prophet Zephaniah, he said, I will search with lanterns or with lights or lamps, same word, in Jerusalem's darkest corners. So in other words, that light is going to go into the dark areas to find and punish those who sit complacent in their sins and indifferent to the Lord, thinking he will not do anything to them. Now, that's a pretty strong word, amen? So, in other words, when we begin to look at this, God it says he's going to use something. He's going to use a light and a lamp. Now, what is that? That's the word of God. Okay, let me prove it to you. Psalms 119.105. Let me just give you this real quick. 119.105. Thy word is a lamp. And thy, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. So the word of God is the lamp. So let me, let me go back to what he was saying to, the, to, to Jerusalem. He says that I am going to use my word to expose those who continue to live in darkness. So the word of God exposes those things that are in hiding. 
that other human beings may not see, but God says, I'm going to use my word, and my word will light up those dark places in your life, and I will be able to see where you have been indifferent, and you have been wanting to live in sin, and you've gotten comfortable in sin. So God will use his word to reveal complacency in us. Uh, he, he did that with me, and I felt like I had gotten complacent. It didn't take me long because I do a devotional, praise God. And through that devotional, man, he just began to call me out through his word. So his word would pierce every area in your life if you stay in the word, even if you just get a verse. <laughs> I mean, sometimes all you need is one word. All Peter needed was one word, come. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, he didn't know for sure, but he said, but it looked like I, I, don't, I haven't discerned if it's you or not. It, I kind of sense that it's you. Uh, it kind of favor you. I don't know. But, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Jesus said, come on, boy. Peter said, shoot. Boom. On one word. So that whole experience was teaching everybody on the boat to discern the voice of God. And only one of them did. Are you here with me this morning? Second attribute, you can find that in, in Amos chapter 3. I'm sorry, Amos 6, verse 3. Just turn the page a little bit here. Verse 3 says, Woe to you who put far off the day of doom. Ooh, what is that about? Woe to you who put far off the day of doom. That's Amos 6 and 3. So this, this attribute is living in pride. Because see, because they were wealthy and comfortable in their lifestyle, uh, they had security in the things that they had. Uh, they, they think that, that, that they were totally uh, oblivious to a downturn. Uh, kind of like what happened in 2008. Thank you, sir. In 2008, there were a lot of people who thought, oh, man, I'm a 401. It looks nice. I'm in a nice house. You know, I got a nice little equity in my house. <laughs> man, I'm looking good. I ain't been to church in six months. I'm good. But then all of a sudden, we woke up one morning, stock market crashed, people jumping off of buildings. <laughs> all of the traders are losing their minds, shooting themselves. You know, the banks are tripping, laying off everybody, <laughs> including me. And so, <laughs> and Alvin, <laughs> praise God, we all got laid off and that stuff. But then they found out that, you know what, that God called money. Can't save you in this. So your security, if it's in wealth, it's going to let you down. So pride is one of those things, man, we, we all have to be careful about. Every one of us have to be careful about pride. Pride will slip in there, man, when you least expect it. You can open your mouth, and as soon as you say that word, you're like, man, I shouldn't have said that. Pride, man, pride is in there. And there's some things against pride uh, in, in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23, the A clause, it says a man's pride will, will bring him low. Pride will bring us low. Uh, James 4 and 6 says God resists the proud. So in other words, God opposes the proud. So one of the things when, when we start talking about a devotion of hearing to God, when you're prideful, listen, listen to the scripture, said God resists the proud. So if God is resisting the proud and you're prideful, yes, I mean, that's, not, that's pretty clear, isn't it? So, so if God is 
resisting you, he's opposing you, then how can he get his word to you? One word called repentance. You, you turn it around, right? Because the opposite of pride is humility. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you when? In due season, when it's time. See, sometimes it might not be time. Right? David was anointed as a teenager, but he didn't become king until, you know, maybe 18, almost 18 to 20 years later. It wasn't time yet. Joseph had a dream. It was a beautiful dream. Joseph told his brothers about it. He told his mom and daddy, too. He shouldn't have said that. But he told everybody. He said, y'all going to be bowing down to me. And they got mad at Joseph. I mean, they were really vexed at Joseph. I probably would have been mad, too. But because, see, you know, I would have been one of them brothers like, I don't see why daddy gave him a pretty coat. I, I deserve a pretty coat, too. See, see, sometimes you got to put yourself in the story to understand why these brothers were so mad. They weren't just mad because David, uh, because uh, Joseph was anointed. They were mad because the daddy showed Joseph favoritism. You don't do that as a parent. So I love the Bible. It exposes everything. It exposes that this man had parental issues. <laughs> like we do too. Praise God. And so, yeah, I would have been mad too. And so you, you know what happened? Joseph had a beautiful dream. But that pit wasn't in the dream. As a matter of fact, Potiphar's house. No, it wasn't in there. What about that? The prison wasn't in the dream either. But he had to go through those things to build up the character and the integrity that he needed and the intimacy with God that was going to get him to his next level because you can't get to the palace until you go through some pits, Potiphar's houses, and some prisons. Amen. With some peas there, I started saying like Jesse Jackson. <laughs> Praise God, I'm trying to control that. So, Amen. So, so that was the second one. Then we want the third one. I told you I'm going to go through these fast. So that was the second one. Here comes the third one. The third one can be found. So the first one was living in complacency. The second one was living in pride. Right? We all, we all, we can get there. Especially pastors, man. We can get there quick. Man, how many of you have in your church shoe, bro? I had about 200. How many of y'all have, man? We have but 10. Dag, bro, what you doing wrong, man? <laughs> So I'm glad I, I got some pastor friends, man. We real. I come in there with brother. We have a 25 in the church. He said, man, me too. <laughs> he said, we doing something wrong. <laughs> Praise God. Let's get together and pray. Hallelujah. But I love, I love honest men of God. None of that fakery going on. Amen. You need some good, some, some, you need some people in your life that's real. Now, now, hold on, hold on, hold it, hold it, hold it. When you got real people in your life, <laughs> they, they tend to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. So let me just make sure I just, uh, just break that open for you real quick here because we all need people in our lives like that, right? We love them. We know they're honest. They're genuine. There's no fakery about them. I believe my wife and I, we're one of those people. We, you, who, who, what you see is what you get at church, at work, at home. Just come hang out with us. You'll know it. We're the same. We're going to joke at church. We're going to joke at home. All that stuff. That we, If we're going to fuss at church, we're going to fuss at home. We don't care. We don't care about you being in my house. We're going to fuss. If we fussing, we fussing. I ain't lying. I ain't got time to be trying to, oh, baby, wait till everybody leave. And we're going to fuss. No, we fussing now. No, we're going to get this out right now. They need to see how you fuss. <laughs> I ain't got time for all that fakery. We're going to get this thing done right now. Glory to God. So ain't got time for all that. But, but people like that, they just tell you what you need to hear. But they do it in love. Amen. And, and a lot of you sitting here, you're the one that always have to bring the message. 
I don't know why God set it up that way. Isn't it like you always the one to have to bring it? Because they always come into you. Why? Because they know, they know that inside, they, but, but I'm telling you something, they don't, they know they don't want to hear it, but inside they know they need to. But they also know when they come to you, boy, ain't going to be no fakery. You're just going to let it, hey, listen, here it is right here, boom. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe that, I don't believe it. Well, you came to me. <laughs> right? Praise God. Don't come to me. Praise the Lord. So, okay, y'all ready for number three? Number three can be found in Amos chapter two, verse six and seven. Amos chapter two. Verse 6 and 7, I'm going to go ahead and read the, the scripture, and then I'll tell you what the attribute is. Is this making sense at all? Is this helping anybody? Okay, so living in complacency, living in pride, here's number three. This is what the Lord says. The people of Judah have sinned again and again and again, and I will not forget it. This is what God is saying. I will not let them go unpunished any longer. They have perverted justice by selling honest people for silver and poor people for a pair of sandals. Man, that's, that's pretty low. You're going to sell somebody for a pair of sandals. That, somebody say that's pretty low. You know, that means you don't care about people at all. You, you would rather protect a tree, lay out in the street for a tree. But if a human gets shot, you don't care. You would protest every chicken farm it is. But Somebody gets raped, it's like, uh, whatever. And that's a human being. There are people who serve more time. <laughs> he wasn't even the one using the dogs to fight. It was somebody that he was associated with, but he went to jail and served more time than somebody who killed somebody. There's no justice there. This is the same thing God is saying, you pervert justice. So here's the next attribute, living morally corrupt. See, the people of God at this time had not only succumbed to corruption in their thinking, they also had succumbed to corruption in their actions. They were treating people horribly. And they were supposed to be the people of God. I have a young man I was talking to. Uh, at a class I was in, and uh, we were just talking, and, and he brought up church, because I, I know I don't ever bring up church. I just talk. I ask people to life and stuff. So he brought church up, and I was like, okay, let's talk about church. He said, you go to church? I said, yeah, I, I, go, I go to church. <laughs> I said, I go to church, but you know. And so he says, he said, man, I used to go to church, and he told me the church he went to. I am not going to say the name. He said, but I had to stop going, and, and right now I, I can't stand going to church anymore. And I said, what's going on? So he told me. He told me his story. He had served this church for years, served this church for years. He had a good job, good-paying job. He was tithing, all that stuff. So he got hit with hard times, right, like a lot of us do. He took a part-time job at the church, but he, he needed some money to pay his rent. He didn't need all the money. All he needed was some of the money. He told him, he told the church, well, look, just don't pay me. Just take whatever I need. I only, he only needed $200. Now, I know this church has probably maybe a $6 million budget a year. Okay? So he needed $200. The church budget is probably about $6 million. He worked at the church. You, you hearing what I'm saying here? I want you to hear what I'm saying. They checked his records, 
And because he was out of work for a length of time, he couldn't tithe. You know they told that young man, no, we're not going to help you. He left that church, and I don't care what I said, he did not. All I can say was, man, I'm sorry that you, that you had to go through that. I said, because that is not the way that should have been handled. I said, but I, uh, but I do want you not to give up on God. And I said, don't give up on church. I said, there are some good churches, and there are some good people in churches. I said, don't take that one church and this one incident and judge all churches. I said, so I'm, I prayed with him. I said, I pray that your heart is healed. You know, I didn't, I didn't invite him to this church. He, matter of fact, he don't even know today that I'm a pastor. Because it's not, it's not about that, right? Because, you see, pastors can get all that pride in there. Well, brother, let me tell you something. If you come to my church, you won't have to worry about all that. Yes, he will. It'll be another situation. Because I'm telling you, you come to this church, you're going to find something. Just look hard enough, because if you look, you're going to find it. Right? Why? Because the church is full of what? And people got issues just like the pastor. All of us got issues, so there are no perfect churches. There's going to be stuff found in all churches. But there are some things that we need to get better about as a church. Amen? And so, and I hated that for him, but, but sometimes when, when prosperity is involved, and sometimes when you're doing good and the programs are flowing and the seats are full, sometimes we can allow these things to creep in the church, and you lose your compassion for people. And you focus more on the budget than you do the people sitting in the seats. It's got to always be about the people. Amen? And so there, there are some people, you probably have heard this, they say, well, you know, I don't go to church because they're always judging me. How many ever heard that from somebody? They always, always, they always judge me. You might have said it before. You ever said that before? <laughs> I did. I mean, I ain't going to church. They're going to be judging me because I was probably half drunk when I went in there anyway. But, but I knew that preacher was talking about me <laughs> because he kept looking at me. So, uh, yeah, missionary Lofton's son, John, one day he's going to be. I'm like, bro, that's why I don't come to church. I always call him my name. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know about that. Them little small churches in the country towns. Y'all know about those little churches. They'll call you out, man. They'll call you out. Missionary Lofton's boy, John. I'm like, man. Hey, man, I'm just, I only came because mama told me, but um, leave me alone, bro. And so, so we get that, right? People use these things as excuses, but I, I believe um, it's more likely, it's more likely, and, 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 and I don't want to generalize, I hate doing that, but it's probably more likely that they, they, they're not getting judged, it is more likely they're being convicted. And then I choose to believe that because sometimes when you're preaching the word, People don't want to hear it, and they say it's a judgmental word, but actually you got convicted. And, and, and you was convicted, and you should have repented and changed. And so they, they, they twisted to say, well, they are judgmental. No, they weren't judgmental. They were just pointing out some things that you should have changed. Now, 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 that same person will say, well, well, you shouldn't be judging. The church shouldn't be judging me. Well, 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 okay. If you are a Christian, you call yourself a Christian. You say you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you go to church. You pay your tithes. If, you, if you're that kind of person, but you continue to live in sin. Okay. You hear what I'm saying? I want to give you the scripture because you need to rightly divide the word of truth. 
we, as Christians, when we're living right, we have an obligation to judge other Christians who are not. Now, that's according to Apostle Paul. Write this down, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to read it for you, praise God. I'm going to set some of y'all free. Because sometimes you don't want to say something. Say it! Stop holding back. Say it. If they call themselves a Christian, they ain't living right, talk about it. You know, you need to get that right in your life. You know, God don't like that. He doesn't like ugly. And he ain't too particular about cute, but he sure don't like ugly. Amen? Don't you have to say it like that, but I mean, you know. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 says, this is Apostle Paul reading from the New Living Translation. It says, I can hardly believe the report about sexual immorality. Now, Paul was coming to the church of Corinth. Paul was not talking to Gentiles out there in the world. Paul was talking to the church. Paul says, I can't believe you in here having sexual immorality. So, so, so what's included in sexual immorality? Maybe some of them folks who don't understand what this word contains in it. So I thought I would clarify that for you. It's the Greek word pornonia, pornonia. Y'all, y'all, uh-huh. Uh, so we know where we get that English word from now, right? So, so praise God. That's not what I'm talking about, though. So, so, so leave me alone. So listen, so pornonia, let me tell you what that word encompasses. So, so we will be crystal clear. Do you want to get crystal clear? Because the word is crystal clear. What's included in that word is adultery. Fornication. That's a word they don't want to use the church anymore. What's fornication? That's having sex outside marriage. Any marriage. Cut and dry. Fornication. That's what it is. Oh, ooh. Homosexuality. Lesbianism. Bestiality. You know, we know what that is. That, that's nasty. That's from country boys. I don't even want, I don't even want to talk about that right there. Incest. That is all included in sexual immorality. Now, listen, guys, this is what was going on in the church back then. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? So this is not an issue that just came about today. Sexual immorality has been in the Old Testament and the New. All the way back to Sodom. That's where we get the word from. Hello. Yeah, I said it. I mean, you know, we need to be critical about what we preach here. But again, I'm just telling you the word of God. I'm not trying to be unloving at all. I'm just saying this includes everybody. It's not that homosexuality is up here and adulterous affairs are down here. It's all right there. Fornication right there. If you're single and you're out there having sex, you're fornicating. And God frowns upon that just like every immoral, immoral sin. So it's not like we have the ability to judge sin. It's all sin. Take that pen back to your job. You know that ain't your pen. <laughs> that must have been a prophecy for somebody. I ain't lying. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> You're just borrowing it. I'm going to take it back when it's out of ink. <laughs> so Paul says, I can hardly believe the report about sexual immorality going on among you, something so evil. Oh, my God. He says something so evil that even the pagans don't do it. I might not be able to finish all of this today. We might have to go into in next week with the rest of this because I, I, can't, I can't fast forward on this stuff, so I got to give it all to you. 
And so, so listen, you hearing what Apostle Paul is saying? Paul, Paul is coming to the church, saints of God. He's not out there uh, uh, talking to people who don't know God. He's talking to people who come in. They, they, they got the robes on, and, and they, they give their tithes, and, and they're serving God, and they, they, they teach in Sunday school. They're deacons, and, and they're elders in the church dating everybody in the church. Come to find out that, that the deacon got somebody else pregnant. Now, I know, I know, listen, and listen, I'm not trying to talk bad about churches. I'm just talking about this is what people do. People make churches look bad. Churches are churches. I'm telling you, it's four walls, but they're full of people. Now, listen, and even with that, I'm not coming down on the church. I'm coming down on people in the church who are not living for God. Because God has given all of us the authority to address sinful behavior in the church. Now, we can't address it out there. God is the only one that can judge people outside of the household of faith. But in here, we have a right. Write this down. Write this down. Write this down. When sin is ignored, it will metastasize. It will grow. It will link. It will hook up. You, you, if you got a church that is complicit to worldly standards, people in that church, they know each other. They are hooking up after church. See, see, I don't know if that, if that came across right, so let me be a little bit more plain about what I'm saying. Now, I know of a person who struggled with their sexuality, was trying to get out of it. Went to a church that was complicit with living that alternate lifestyle. People in the church, other women in the church, knew she was struggling with it, and they didn't even know her. So they were coming up to her after church, wanting to take her to lunch. I'm telling you, when you got sin and it metastasized like that at a church, they know each other. They, all the adulterers know each other. Every homosexual man know each other. Every homosexual person, they know each other. Now, listen, I'm not afraid to use that word because it is what it is. Now, if people choose to live that way, that's their choices. I'm not mad at them. I love them. I love them enough to tell them the truth, and they need some preachers to tell the truth and stop telling them that they are in the will of God. Somebody needs to tell some truth that they're not in the will of God because if you are in the will of God, you will obey the words of God. And we got some things that are blocking the devotion of hearing the word. And a lot of it is you got people up here who are afraid to tell the truth because they don't want to be judged by other people. But when I got the call of God, I didn't get it from you and I didn't get it from the world. I got it from God. And he's the only one that I got to go before. So all I want to hear is, well done, thou faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Now enter therein into the joy of the Lord. None of y'all will be there. And since you won't be there, then I might as well preach it like God told me. I don't care about the haters. You can hate me while I'm trying to preach you into heaven. That's all I got to say about it. Because if I can get you into heaven, I'm going to say what I need to say to get you there. You can hate me, but I'm trying to get you to Jesus. Amen? Saints of God, stop being afraid to address issues. Listen, listen, I don't care nothing about no politically correct police. Lock me up.
because I have a right to preach the truth. You have a right to live the truth on your job. Don't be afraid. Let those people know you, you're a Jesus believer. I don't just believe in God, but I, leave, I believe in Jesus Christ. Because that's where the line is drawn. Everybody at work believe in God. A God. But no, no, your God, your God might not be my God. You might not know my God by his name. I know my God's name. <laughs> see, see, some people call him Elohim. But see, when I needed something, I called him by a different name. I called him Jehovah Jireh. But see, when I was all messed up and confused, I called him Jehovah Shalom. <laughs> see, 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 when I needed, needed to praise him, he was my banner. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So when I needed a healing in my body, I called on a different name. I called him Jehovah Rapha. See, I, my, my God, he addresses me where I need to be at the time. Amen. See, he's not Allah. He's not a faraway God. As a matter of fact, he's a God that not only want to be around you, he said, I want to walk up and down inside of you. Somebody shout glory in here. See, that's why we are enthusiastic about the will and the ways of God, because this God that we serve is a God that says that I can use somebody that everybody else gave up on. I can take your life and turn it around, and I can use you on a platform that nobody else would give you but me. If we just keep our lives full of character and integrity, and let me just address this real quick before we go here, and I'm going to probably pause right here, and we'll pick up the rest of the story later, but... But, but one of the things that, that is critical, 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 saints of God, if you're not already a member of this church, but this is critical of whatever church you're a member of, it is critical that the pulpit stays integrous. There must be somebody in that pulpit with some character and some integrity. Listen, now, now, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, let's take that anointing stuff out. Because, see, sometimes, you, you get caught up in that anointment stuff. Y'all know I said anointment? Because that's all it is, anointment. It ain't real. It, it's, it's not, it's talent. Not anointing. And see, if you don't know the difference, you'll be confused. See, there are a lot of talented people parading across the pulpits. But they may not be anointed. Now, well, Pastor, what's the difference? I'm so glad you asked me. Whoever that was, thank you. Anointing breaks yokes. Talent moves emotions. And you might run around the church. And when you leave, you're still broke, confused, messed up. You had five folks to lay hands on you. And you still messed up. You still tore up from the floor up. Well, what happened? Well, maybe those five people were talented but maybe they weren't anointed. And why you keep running to folks that lay hands on you anyway? So let me just, let me just back that up. Let me back, that, back it up a little bit. I was going to say back that. Let me back it up a little bit. <laughs> why do we need so many folks laying hands on us? Y'all know I don't do that a lot. I do it only when God tells me to do it. Well, you don't need some man laying hands on you. Let me tell you how you can get what you need from God. It's real clear. You, are you seeing this? Get down on your knees and cry out to him until you get what you need. Well, I, I prayed, but I ain't hear him. Well, the next day, do it again. See, 
the prophet said something amazing. I'm going to close with this, and we'll catch the rest of the story next week. The prophet said something amazing to King Ahab. He said, I can hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He heard it, but he didn't see it. So the man of God got in the prayer position. And if you study the Bible out, it's like in the birthing position. Like he was giving birth, because you are giving birth to something when you're in prayer. And the man of God got into the birthing position, and he began to pray because he heard something, but he didn't see it. So in other words, he saw it in here, but not out here. So it was internal, but not external yet. So sometimes you see something internal, but it's not external. But the way to connect your inside with your outside is through prayer. And so the man of God began to pray, and he had a little servant. He said, go out and tell me what you see. Are you seeing this with me? So while the servant went out to see, he kept praying. So when he came back, he said, what you see? He said, I see nothing. So he sent him out again. Go tell me what you see. Sent him out seven times. Came back, he said, I, I see nothing. So saints of God, what do you do through see nothing days? The man of God never changed his position. He kept praying. Saints, you might not hear it on the first day. You might not get it on the second day or the third. Don't change your position. Continue to see God. It might not be easy. It might not be quick. You see, saints, I, 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 I wanted God to heal me instantly when I found out I had cancer. Amen. I did. I wanted it to be like the doctor said I had it. Boom, we pray. It's gone. That didn't happen. So I kept praying. I was going through see-nothing days. But I still believed God. And saints of God, there is coming a day. That when the servant came back, he said, you know, I see something. <laughs> he, said, he said it didn't look like much. But never despise the days of small beginnings. He said, I saw a little something coming in the clouds. He said it was about the size of a man's hands. And let me tell you something. Little is much in the hands of God. And sometimes as man, all you do, need to do is lift your hands. Listen to this. He just gave this. He just dropped this on me. He said, sometimes we need to lift our hands so we can connect our hands with his hands. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. 
or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.